you don't have to be a millennial to be socially savvy. We believe anyone can join Generation Social Media, and your journey starts now. This is the Generation Social Media Podcast by Chatterkick. All right, welcome to Generation Social Media. Um, today we have um, Kelsey Martin, our COO, my first employee, the OG, um, to Chatterkick. <laughs> um, and we're going to talk about the pros and cons of having your social media live within your organization as well as having uh, external partners. So we're gonna use kind of the concept of an agency, but that also could look different depending on the type of business that you have. And um, let's just dive in. First of all, let's talk a little bit about what we've seen change. Because Kelsey started with Chatterkick when I I started Chatterkick seven years ago, and the landscape is really different um, today than it was. What have you noticed? Um, you've worked with clients along those full seven years. So I think the evolution of our agency, because we kind of started at the beginning of social media and the knowledge was so limited at the time, our clients didn't really know what platforms they should be on, how to use them, how often you should post. And that's still a thing. But I think at the very beginning, it was more, I just need somebody to take all of this because it's so new and there's so many new things happening all of the time that I cannot keep it straight. So at the beginning, I there was so much value in partnering with an agency or multiple agencies and multiple vendors who could just take digital and run with it and keep it in a different office that was staying on top of it all the time. Where I've seen things change is uh, people are very passionate and interested about social because they're using it so much as a person. So they try to figure out how to use it as a, as a business. And so because of their passion and their curiosity they start to carry that over so there's so much more education there's so many more blogs out there podcasts ways to learn how to navigate the platforms and so we've seen a lot more of an evolution for someone who's in marketing really taking hold of digital and becoming an expert in that and really tailoring more of their strategy to digital so a lot more knowledge on an in-person team but also just that spreading out and bringing in customer service into digital and HR into digital, it's just so much more available. So a lot of people are trying to figure out how to bring this expertise and build it in-house so that they no longer have to have that knowledge outside of their business. They want to keep it and um, kind of keep that innovation in-house. So that's where I've seen a lot of changes of how do we partner with you and set that up for success? And then how can you teach me how to do it so that I can do it myself and still be a happy partner of a relationship, but more so just keep me in the know, but I want to do all the doing. Right. I think that, I mean, we, we've seen in our services, right? Like we've done so much more training in the last, and not just like how to do something, but like strategy training in the last probably three years. Um, but one thing I think is really interesting, I see this happening mostly in the marketing departments, don't you think? Like I don't feel like there's a lot of, HR or even the customer success teams and the like customer service teams, I haven't seen that adaptation of social as fast as I have in sales and marketing. Definitely not as fast. I think it's really interesting when we get everybody at the table and we start talking about everybody's light bulbs are going off. Like I can use this. There's a way that I can use Facebook to get more employees 
but at the end of the day, we have those conversations for about 18 months before there's a strategy in place. So I think the adaptation is a lot slower in those other departments, but from a marketing perspective, our conversations and consulting and help seven years ago was how do I set this up? Where do I put the password? And how do I have access? Or how do I set up a fake account right. to do this? That was a lot of our conversations in the past. Now it's, I've got this thing moving. We have momentum. I'm getting comments. Conversations are happening. Now how do I turn it up a notch? And it's really been more of a level up. How do I get deeper into ads? How do I add another platform? I heard this was a thing. Chatbots are cool. I want to be on it. And so it's definitely been a way deeper conversation now. And that's where we really want to help people decide, are you ready to take this in house? Cause there are definitely a lot of businesses that are, or do you need a full partnership or maybe you just need somebody to take part of the pie and you take the rest of it. Yeah. What do you, let's, let's dive in now to like pros and cons. So pros of keeping your social media department close to your vest. And what I mean by that is having, assigning the duties to somebody who's already in that space, so maybe it's your marketing director is going to take care of your day-to-day social strategy and posting. Um, maybe that's hiring someone new that you are going to source and find yourselves in that area. Or that also could look like having a temporary person or multiple people fill that mix. So a little bit of a, everybody's role is going to be posting on social. Um, and we're going to assume kind of like a mid-sized business. Um, what do you think the top pro is to having that in-house? I'm going to go really basic, but I actually think the top pro is communication because you're in the business all the time. You know when things are shifting and when you work with a partner, you have to go through levels of communication and making sure that the brand message is in line with what your goals are at the time. And so being in-house, you are there and you have all of the resources together to have the right communication for the strategy. But there's so many other pros that I feel like are right there in the top notch with innovation, technology, um, support. What do you think? I think kind of along your same lines, the communication, but I would call that the just the timeliness that like yeah. I saw Sarah today work with a client who was working on this amazing project that we've been working on for six years. Like you have that like in-house knowledge that is really hard to replicate. Um, and so taking that photo of them having that conversation, posting it onto your social assets, that timeliness works so well and it still works in social and you can't to do that and send it to someone else that gets tricky. So I think that's one of the biggest pros. Um, the barrier to entry can be really easy right. when you're on campus or on site where you're capturing those moments and you're posting them where the, like, like you said, you have to take a picture, send it to them, figure out what to say. It delays the timing a lot. So staying agile, being there, being able to capture behind the scenes and really publishing that, definitely a big pro. Yeah, I think another pro that I have heard clients say, I've actually done some research on this and I don't know if the data says this is a real thing, but I think a perceived pro is cost. And it's, and I don't mean cost me of keeping it in-house or hiring someone, but I think that people think per post it's cheaper. And I could understand that to an extent, um, but the efficiencies also can be squandered and squashed because of processes, silos, and departments. Um, those are kind of on the con side of things. But I do think from a volume of content that one person could develop could be something that would be a pro for a business, just depending on the type of business or 
Right. If you hire the unicorn, right. <laughs> the process and the person, they all kind of fit into one. They have creative, they have strategy, account management, then that one item on your, like, it's just the cost of that person is really appealing. So I definitely understand that. But I think that's going to come up a lot more in cons with some of the other things of software and setting them up for success that might be a double-edged sword. Yes. And you know, another uh, uh, company or type of co company that this could work really well with is a consumer goods or anybody that has a ton of product shoots. So if you have somebody that is a photographer and you have lots and lots of content of products, um, definitely could be worth your while to hire someone. They'll capture all the content of products and angles and post all of those. If you're already doing it to your e-commerce website, I can see some of that working really well, especially if it's there's not a lot of layers of approval between creative and implementation. Um, that could work really well. The other one that I've seen, um, and we actually consult with a client that has an in-house team and they are killing it. They are awesome. Um, but they are all a hundred percent in sync with each other and they know you got this part. I have this part. We're going to communicate this part. And, um, they do the day-to-day -day Instagram stories and that can be really effective because Instagram stories are a lot and they, you need a lot of them and they work really well in the moment. So I could see how that would makes sense for them and it, and it definitely is working. I was going to kind of go into that. The same thing next is if you have the right team who can really divide the work and be successful in their role and really own one portion of it, it definitely works. I also feel like another pro or this is just kind of a qualifier of whether or not this you're a good fit for this. If you have a decision making team who's a little bit more digitally savvy or socially savvy and can really understand KPIs and metrics and how they really affect and impact your bottom line and how to use those to make better business decisions, I feel like having that skill set in-house can really amplify your momentum as a brand. Um, but if you have a decision-making team who's a little less socially savvy, you're almost always gonna have some sort of, not, I don't wanna call it conflict, but there's always gonna be a large conversation of, are we doing this? Are we not doing this? Are we doing the right thing? Should we cut the spend? That's always gonna be something that you're battling on. So I feel like if you have a team that's a little bit more socially savvy or digitally inept, I guess, uh, it could be a definitely pro to keep your team in house. Yeah. And I think, you know, as an agency, we've seen the role of the person handling social media really um, morph. Um, and when you were talking about unicorn, we know what that means because we talk about this all the time, but let's break that down on what, what we call these unicorns because it's a very, first of all, there's no college path that typically treats. Yeah. Where's the digital unicorn <laughs> right. uh, track? Yeah. Um, but so how we usually define that is somebody who has a very wide skill set um, in both creativity and detail. Um, they so they can handle project management. They don't let small things come uh, slip through the crack. A writer, but they can write and they're creative. They can write long form, short form. Um, they can do photos, videos at least well enough that it supports your brand. Um, they, they can dig into the data yes. and look at numbers and then also put those numbers in a way that's visually appealing and makes sense to people who are not looking at the platforms all the time. Right. So you're basically wearing 
three people's role with one individual. Right. And they are out there. There are people out there. Um, I feel like Kelsey and Allison, my first two people that came to Chattercake, had that flexibility, which really made us um, efficient and could scale really quickly in the beginning. But as we've hired many, many people over the last seven years and even try to help other businesses hire, that skill set is really difficult to vet and it's really difficult to find. Um, because usually you have somebody that's really creative or graphic designers or videographers, but maybe their detail's not super on point because they're creatives. And that's just, you know, it's not always the same um, person. And I think the other thing when we're talking about these in-house teams is we're saying teams because we know that in most cases, it's not just that magical unicorn, right? Right. So let's talk about cons or I guess pros for hiring it out preferably to an agency or partner and not your nephew. Right. Maybe, depending on if your nephew is a unicorn, that works. Um, So let's talk a little bit about agency partnerships or vendor partnerships. Where do you feel like the value starts? So I think the value starts because, so as you were mentioning, we have a lot of um, people in in the space now that are trained in social media. Um, It's a wider net of people. Um, but the depth of those people in terms of what they know or the chance that they've had to work on some of these really technical problems to solve is not as much as um, you would imagine. So we get a ton of applicants. We're very fortunate. And I would say most of the applicants know the platforms, but that's about where some of the the knowledge or expertise even has stopped. So I think the number one pro of hiring out some of the strategy perspective or even some of the the actual doing is the expertise level because we get to see so many things every single day from manufacturing to ag to consumer goods to service industries that we can take those pieces of the puzzle and be like, ooh, we should try this or ooh, we should do that. And it's not because we are told we should do that. We read a blog article that we should do that. It's because we've tried it and it works. We've seen it. And I think that's one of the biggest opportunities to bring someone in is they have this objective view of your business that you don't have in-house. And it's so easy. I've seen this happen. It doesn't happen the first year. It happens about year three and four. When you have an in-house team, you get, you're still doing the same strategies you were doing three it years ago. It gets really stagnant and you don't know even how to brainstorm. Like, how do we talk about the hotel for the 500th time this year? Right. Like, how do we make it different? Because we're living in it. So none of the experience seem unique anymore at all. So I think that kind of plays off of what you're talking about it's not only the depth of the technical knowledge, but the variance of it. Like as an agency, you are working in this all the time, but we have a creator who's creating for these platforms all of the time. And they're taking what they're seeing on a retail side and then trying that for a SaaS product and it works. And so not only are they able to really refine their skills, but they're taking and they're learning and they're taking kind of the ideas and what's working and then using it for a different industry so in that inspiration is so like easy to cross and so they always kind of stay creative and really evolve their style but i think we're we have seven different people doing the the things that maybe one or two people would do on an in-house team and i think that's a huge factor of why hiring experts is a better pro right Right, because if I am an in-house person, I may not even know the limitations of video because I don't have someone to just bounce this off to say, 
is there an app for this? Or is this like a really technical project that I shouldn't spend four hours researching? And I think what businesses, especially leaders that have this assigned to a marketing individual, they don't give their marketing individual enough research time, or if they do, that research time could be hours because it takes so long to try to figure out, it, it could be something small, like the new Instagram changes, right? You have to know how to source that information because you're gonna get 300 million hits on that. And who are you gonna believe? A blogger or a news article? Like it's so hard to get the right information. And I think that's one of my favorite parts of having an agency is, we can take that information and use it as it is, but we can also look at experience because who cares what somebody says if it's not really making that much of an impact or, you know, we have a, we have a data pool so that we can draw from and to say, well, you know what, it, we've heard of this, but we are not actually seeing it. I think you kind of touched on this a little bit, but we are constantly talking about what's next. We're having conversations about what's working, but what's next, what are we trying that we should try again? And I think sometimes, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, after year three or four, you kind of get stagnant and you're only listening to your own voice. And so in an agency, most often, or even with other partners, they're looking and trying to push your brand forward into really leaning into what's next. And it makes it an easier transition as these platforms are growing for you to early adapt into that and take those changes to heart. Whereas when you're on a team, sometimes it's just, I when I have time to listen to a podcast, I hear what's next but sometimes I don't for months. Yeah, so I think when I look at the large corporations, I, I really think that this the biggest barrier that they have, if, you, if you're a big brand um, or you're dealing with a ton of volume of content, um, the biggest obstacle and problem with trying to build everything out internally is creativity because people in finance are not going to give you creative time. Like it, creativity in, in essence is the death of profit, right? Because it's people aren't allowing these teams to just have this like magical creative space or like having this time because guess what? When you're a big company, you are working with process and you're working with bottom line and you're working with silos and all of these things are wonderful on a business element but are like the worst thing for social media because you have to have four layers of approval, legal, compliance, all of this stuff to really get your one piece of content on Instagram story and it lives for 24 hours. <laughs> and so your process is slow and it's a really difficult challenge. So the, the brands that are doing it and they figured it out, kudos to them. But there's a lot of them out there that you can tell it just, it falls flat. So you talked about finance. Let's jump back into the cost conversation because I think there's so much more to talk about. So we kind of talked about the cost of an employee. Let's talk about the cost of an agency because it sometimes can be a pro if we really start talking about what's the software cost, the cost of the four different people that we talked about, some of our other overhead costs. Like, do you want to dive into that a little bit? Yeah. So I think, you know, if, if a client comes to me and says, hey, I want to build out an in-house team, because we help businesses with this, um, you do have to kind of lay out all the different factors because not only do you just need one software, I mean, we're subscribed to how many? 43. <laughs> 43 <laughs> softwares. Um, because there is no one fit size fits all solution. It, or if you are out there, please tell me because there's so many different like tools that you need to be able to be at a high level of performance on social. Not that you have to have it to post one thing on Facebook, but you do need to get true value out of this stuff. You need the right tools in your toolbox. So you have your software costs. The other costs you're going to have are 
equipment. I mean, you can use your phone, works, but again, when you want to do lighting or if you want to do something a little fancier on some of the platforms or YouTube videos, you kind of need some equipment. So that's another like hard cost that you're going to have to figure in. I have a really good example of that. While we were setting up this podcast, we have a really expensive camera and this unicorn that we talked about earlier <laughs> did not know how to use the camera <laughs> or setting up the lighting. We jumped to a phone solution and now I don't know if we're going to have video, but like even if you do give your in-house team really great equipment, they might not know how to use it. Right. And she was talking about herself by that unicorn. Yes. <laughs> unicorn as in me. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's very true. You can get, I've seen this with cameras. The first thing people do is say, I'm going to hire an intern and I'm going to get them a real nice camera, like a $2,500 camera. And I'm going to tell them to go document our business. And while some of those the attention is good. The intention of the intern is good. The intention of the owner is good. But everything in the middle is where the inefficiencies, and honestly, it's the cost that the business is spending because, again, the research cost, it's lackluster content. If the person doesn't know how to use the right equipment, it's trying to transfer the photos and where's the organization. And now do you need Dropbox because your files are too big to fit on your server? Um, it's all of those things that I think the businesses that get it 100% get it, but the others that are thinking that this is only a cost-saving effort, I think that they need to dive a little deeper into what they're trying to get out of it. Um, and we've had clients come back. They've kind of taken it in-house and came back. Um, the other thing is turnover, right? I mean, we have turnover in our business, and you're going to have turnover in your business. But if you have one person that you've invested everything to, and that one person turns over, if you don't have a team, it disrupts the entire system. And in most cases, it just slows things down because you have to, you have to hire a new person. So do you want to jump into tools? So what are we've talked about tools and software is super important. How do we... Give, what are some tools that an in-person team could use to just start? So um, I think having a social media management software is critical because it's a collaboration tool. They need, they also need to understand like who's doing what, right? You have to get your team on sync, in sync. We like kind of a multi-prong approach where you have a creative, you have an account manager, and you have somebody who knows the, the doing side of it, the implementation side. If you structure an in-house team in that three-person um, grouping, that's what we found as of now works really well. That's how we have our, our team set up. Um, you can start building on that with um, the bigger that you get or the more specialty that you have or technical needs. Um, but that's a place that I like to start. And when we're talking about this, we're, we're not even talking about web. And that's a whole oh, other yeah. skill set, yeah. which you have to have connected to everything. So some people break out their web team. Some people, again, put all of this stuff onto one individual, which that is the hardest thing. Like if you if you are doing this and you're a business owner and you're listening to this and you have all of that living with one person, you may be preventing growth because it's just, it's so, so much. much stuff. Like there's just so many pieces of the pie. So true. All right. I think we had some really good conversations and dialogue. Let's quick summarize a couple of the pros and cons so everybody has a good overview. So pros of keeping it in-house. Um, one is you could be a little quicker in, in the moment content. Um, you can get that content and kind of get the barriers out of the way so that what's happening in your business is online quickly. Another is that um, you could really prevent um, 
<laughs> is it just, just one pro? Is that how we list it? <laughs> what was the other one? Um, I think we, so a couple of the pros were communication, really, it, it really, all of the pros are about keeping it close to the vest. I mean, you're in the business, you know what conversations are going on, you can capture content in the moment, you are there to introduce another platform, you're there to have these discussions with the decision makers, but it really, the whole pro of keeping it in-house is just that. It's, it's in-house and it's right there in your business and it can follow along with your business's journey right off the bat. A couple of the cons for um, keeping your business in-house or a pro to outsourcing um, some of this work is to inject creativity. Probably one of my biggest uh, pros that I would encourage businesses to think about is a new way to look at things, not just creativity in the design element, but creativity in this is my goal. How am I going to get there? Being creative in that entire process is a great opportunity to infuse someone else in your organization. Early, early adaptation is one that we talked about always finding what's new, um, kind of moving your brand along on the new platforms. So early adaptation, just the technical skill sets, our team and most teams have such a wide variety of people and their technology or technology, their actual skill is so diverse and so deep and they can really become great at that specific thing. Now let's talk a little bit about um, the generation social media. So this is what um, the podcast is about. We want to show people that it's not always what you think. Maybe it is what you think in some regards, but let's talk about individuals on social media and how you could potentially reach them. Um, we're going to use an example. We have been working with some um, young individuals, um, high school students, and they took some polls of their screen time usage. What apps were they using, male and female, and how can we reach those individuals? Because not only do we need to reach them today, but maybe we're going to need to reach them in a couple of years. So a couple of the top apps, let's first take the, the guys. What were some of the top apps that um, those gentlemen were using? So these are young high school students. The guys were usually around seven hours and their top apps were almost always Snapchat, Twitter, and YouTube, and then Instagram in that order. Um, as far as the young females go, it was a little bit different. So Snapchat, Instagram, we kind of threw Netflix in here and then the VSCO app. So it was kind of interesting to see that there was such a drastic difference on where these platforms landed um, from a gender perspective. I also remember him talking to me a lot that TikTok was a top app mostly with the young females. The males were a little bit not as inclined to jump onto that platform yeah. um, that young. So those are the top platforms. So in case you are not familiar, TikTok is like a kind of a lip syncing karaoke app that there's a lot of young individuals on. Um, but I mean, it spans all ages, but there's a lot of trends happening on that platform that are crossing over to other platforms. Um, I think what was really interesting on this is, again, you're trying to reach these people. A lot of people have preconceived notions of, you know, what person is on what platform um, and how to get in front of them. But, um, you know, even though Facebook wasn't up there, don't forget, Facebook owns Instagram. So if you're trying to do ads for these individuals, you can still reach them using the Facebook family of apps, which includes Instagram um, and then Snapchat. Snapchat's got such underpriced um, 
just eyeballs right now, especially on a local basis, because there's not local advertisers using it very much. Right. And so you disrupt Mountain Dew and Doritos, um, and you have a huge opportunity to get in front of local audiences uh, in all ages. I mean, you get a pick when you're running those ads. I feel like a lot of times when you're on Snapchat, and if you do, or a lot of platforms really, but if you hear a local ad, you're like, wait a second, was that this local business? Because I just heard three ads, like you said, for like Doritos and Mountain Dew. So it really does catch you off guard. So I feel like using that to your advantage to really target and attract some of these younger people on these platforms is a good way to go about it. And there's also a lot of studies, especially with um, Instagram, regardless of demographics and age, but people are less likely to follow a lot of brands on Instagram, but the ones that they follow, they care about more. And so um, I don't know if I phrased that correctly, but basically the if they follow you as a brand on Instagram, you're not going to have as many followers in most cases on Instagram as you would on Facebook if you started Facebook first. But sometimes the quality and the connection and the loyalty there is just a little bit higher than maybe on some of the other platforms. So you're trying to reach that demographic. I would recommend Link or uh, sorry, I would recommend Snapchat ads, Instagram ads, and or just organic postings on Instagram and some YouTube. Don't forget the how-tos. That's a great audience to reach on YouTube, and as 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 many audiences. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, Kelsey, for um, our conversation today, and join us next time for Generation Social Media.